Welcome to the CodeCast Podcast. Real-world insights for your daily medical coding and billing processes. And now, here's your host, Terry Fletcher. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the 246th episode of the CodeCast Podcast. My name is Terry Fletcher. I am happy to announce I'm at 385,000 downloads and 250,000 listeners, a true milestone for me. And thank you to each and every one of you for listening in, especially to our new folks that just said, hey, I just found your podcast, which is pretty exciting since as in November, we'll hit five year mark. So pretty excited about that. But again, thank you so much for uh, keeping me on air. So I'm I'm gonna continue to do this for as long as I can. and, And I'm pretty excited about those numbers. So today, because it's the last Tuesday of the month, that means it is top 10 Tuesday. And I'm going to give you actually what I like to call a quick hit or a quick um, kind of the the gist of what's going on with the 2023 rules and guidelines for A&M services. So we'll call this maybe the quick look. How about that? Um, because I really believe that you need to take a webinar. And there's already been a couple out there. I have one on demand that I'm going to do in a couple of different parts. So if you want to get that, just look at my website at terryfletcher.net. I'm also doing live ones, one with McVeigh Seminars. That's going to be in um, September and another one in November. And then I'll also have one with a couple of different uh, companies as well. So make sure that you are looking out for those because that comes with materials, that comes with reference information, and you really want that. But at least I wanna make sure that you have just the the quick look into what's changing for next year, and then uh, when you get a chance to take an educational course, make sure that you do do that. And and make sure that you do it with um, somebody you trust, somebody that, um, you know, you, you like listening to, but also that, you know, has the update information because from the proposal to what AMA put out the just about three weeks ago to what was put out again in a couple weeks later, and then what will be um, coming out with um, after stakeholders have given their two cents to CMS, it's, it's going to change a little bit again. So you just want to make sure that you do have all the current information. So a couple of things, let's start with number one, the new versus established patient definition. So this will stay, uh, the three-year rule is still gonna be there, except on initial hospital codes. That actually is gonna look at per stay on when you can repeat one of those codes. And I'll uh, expand on that as we continue forward. Social determinants of health has been a a really big topic when it comes to this, which is interesting because I'm really giving you the quick look at E&M 2023, but this affects your medical decision-making process, and that's one of the ways that we figure out what uh, level of service to pick. So this came in, said they were talking about, can some documentation from the nurse's notes be used or does it all have to come from and be documented by the the physician or the mid-level provider in their medical decision making. So what was said and social determinants of health can be documented by someone other than the clinician. However, when related to the risk of treatment options, there should be a documented note within the medical record that relates the risk of treatment Um, and tying that record to the social determinant of health or patient outcomes and again that treatment of what you're going to do with the patient. So we're going to have some deletions. This is number three. Inpatient and observation care services are going to merge. So the 99217 to 220, 99224 to 226, they're actually going to merge into the existing hospital care codes 99221 to 223 
and then 99231 uh, to 233, and then 99238 to 239. So um, that's a pretty big deal. And here's what they talk about as far as that new and established or that stay. It's an initial service may be reported when the patient has not received any professional services, and it goes on and on like CPT um, about that three-year rule. But they say when advanced practice nurses and physician assistants are working with physicians, they're considered as working in the exact same specialty. And so they also said that a transition from observation level to inpatient does not constitute a new stay. So when you're looking at those new or initial hospital care codes, that's going to be a, a really big difference. Consultation, so the, the level ones on both the hospital and the outpatient consultation, 99241 and 2251 are going to uh, be deleted just like the office visit was in 2021. Uh, the new patient offices it was. And then they're also deleting some confusing guidelines that, so things that say language like transfer of care. So that's going to be an update. Nursing facility services really, really got an update. So they're deleting the 99318, the annual nursing facility assessment, and now it'll just be reported within the actual subsequent nursing facility codes. But they also got some new definitions and guidelines regarding multiple uh, morbidities and requiring intensive management. So you'll be updated on that once you take a, a webinar. Prolonged services, I think everybody thought that prolonged services, the 991, I'm sorry, 99417, was going to be the only code in the office or outpatient um, and Medicare and CBT were going to agree. Nope, they're not going to. CPT says once you hit, you know, 15 minutes after your, you hit the minimum amount that you can bill a, a prolonged service code on a level five. CMS says not so fast. That doesn't even make sense to us. You have to hit the maximum since the code has a range. And once you hit the maximum of that code, let's say it's a new patient visit, so it'd be 74 minutes, then you can start counting your 15 minutes after that. So they're going to continue to have a temporary code and then they're also going to have a new inpatient or observation uh, or nursing facility code now whenever you see something called 993x0 or something that has an x in it like that it means that it's a surprise so christmas morning which uh, typically is october 10th now when we get our cpt books that's when uh, you'll find out what that extra hospital prolonged service code is so just make sure that you're looking for that don't put in your system right now it's going to be 993x0 because that's not the case and then number seven so a question came up about now we know that you were not scoring your enm service based on history and exam but you still have to have an appropriate history and exam and physicians only have to document that they reviewed and verified information regarding the chief complaint and history that's already recorded by ancillary staff clinician so clinical staff uh, and or the patient you notice this did not say exam i was actually just listening to a webinar that actually made it sound like this is for history and exam it's not it's for history and so which includes you know what's problem appropriate you know problem pertinent uh, review systems if it's pertinent to have that family history then put it in it's just i'm not going to count how many elements you have in each of those sections of the history to see if you've met a certain level of service i will look as an auditor to see if it's there and I will look to see if your exam's there. But this is one reason why you can't have shared visits in the office is because you can't 
uh, split a new patient visit. So it has to be uh, incident two is only for established. It's not for new. And that's why, just in case you want a side note of why you can't have that in the office, it's because you can't split that in the office. So you ha can't have clinicians, um, you know, performing the history, but your physician should do the exam. Number eight, can you provide more information on prescription drug management? Yes, and actually they talk about this almost at nauseum, but this always seems to be a confusion for people. So prescription drug management, okay, this can include many different things, but the documentation should reflect more than just updated medication list or continue medication. I don't wanna see that um, only. It should reflect management, which could, you know, can or should include possible changing, discontinuing, or keeping the patient on the same dosage, but you need to put why. So why are you not making a change just as much as why are you making a change? Because remember, part of medical decision-making is the risk of complications of that patient management. So where's the risk if they don't take their medication? It also should reflect, and that's another thing, reflect if the patient doesn't take it or maybe can't afford it, that would actually help with your moderate support because now you've got a social determinant of health. But what about keeping the patient on the same, or I'm sorry, what about uh, it can include also how over-the-counter medications may interfere with, let's say, prescription medications. Think cough medicine, oh my gosh. Um, and the patient's you know, already taking a certain prescription sent to the pharmacy, and now all of a sudden on their own, they're taking you know, OTC meds, and now there's a, a conflict or an interaction. And uh, this could involve a change in the standard dosing instructions, which now you hear what I'm saying, a change, that's management. That means you're, you're considering it. Now, make sure you heard me correctly. I didn't say that over-the-counter medications now put you in a moderate level. I'm saying that if there's an interaction there with that management of the patient that you find out during your intake with the patient that they're you know, taking 800 milligrams maybe twice a day of ibuprofen, sorry, that you didn't, you know, tell them to take and all of a sudden you also have them on Toradol. Oh my gosh, that patient's walking around like a zombie. So you, you really need to um, address that and make sure that you're getting all the information. Number nine, when a provider is assessing and treating a problem or condition that may require an injection to treat the problem, can that be considered as um, Rx management and a moderate risk? This came up at the AMA errata, and they said, no, we do not consider that to be prescription drug management. The injection, which you'll bill for, and the medication, which you're bill for, um, and the type of, of drug is being injected, that's all part of that injection procedure. So um, that is not part of prescription drug management. Now, could that be part of your decision regarding a minor possible surgery if the patient's got risk factors? Yes. Now, if no risk factors, now that's in low. But because you're billing out that injection, you can't include that in any data points or in that risk um, as far as the prescription drug management. Now, here's a question. This was an interesting one because this was separate from the 2023 rules, and there's a lot more. I just wanted to give you kind of a quick look. So please, again, you know, take take a class on that. And if you know you don't have time to actually schedule one live, you know, sign up for my on demand. You get an immediate link to it, and it's good for you know, 90 days, and then we update it. So here's number 10. How long do standing orders stand? That's a really good question. So, you know, some policies say they're good for a year, others say 30 days, some have even, you know, said 60 days. So which is it? You know, where are the guidelines? And if physicians give verbal orders, let's say for continuing therapy or phone orders, is that still okay? 
So I did a lot of research on this just to find any kind of answers and also talked to a friend of mine who's a healthcare attorney. And here's what I was told. Unfortunately, there are no one set of rules and no one's no one place to find them. Many physicians order guidelines or standards are many physician order guidelines or standards are both national and regional and some are actually included with the billing contract. So and although within different clinical disciplines too, there's not just a one size fits all because think about it. We could have a pharmacy order, we could have a physical therapy order. Um, we could have a lab order on a patient, and it just depends on that patient's particular, um, you know, clinical profile. And so there are state guidelines. So, for example, I'm in California, and here we have a business and profession code, and it's also in the state uh, board of nursing that says 30 days. So 30 days, and the patient would have to have a reassessment for medical necessity. And so if you don't have a policy, here's what I try to get, um, you know, different practices to do in different states is find a policy that sounds reasonable in a state. So to me, 30 days is reasonable. And then agree on that policy in your office. Put it in writing. Make sure you're, you're doing this for medical necessity first and not allowing physicians just to have an open-ended policy of orders because otherwise it gets very lazy in when what you allow. And make sure there's also a reassessment of the patient for medical necessity. Patient's clinical profile can change in six months. Look what happened to people with chronic conditions and then got COVID and now they've got, you know, COVID foggy, you know, brain. They've got, you know, long haul COVID, which comes with all kinds of muscle aches and issues and and things that people are just like, I feel like I'm 75 when I'm actually 45. And so what could have been an appropriate, let's say, PT order maybe last month is no longer valid three months from now. So if best practices for me would be 30 days, but I was shocked when I did some research on this that there is no standing set of rules for this. There's basically some national things, some regional things, but it, there's no standing Medicare rule even for that. So I thought that was interesting. Our top 10 Tuesday is brought to you today by Stranger Things, a Netflix original. Season four is now streaming as of May 27th, 2022. Tune into Stranger Things season four, are you ready? I just find that so funny they're sponsoring. <laughs> so my personal tidbit this week is that I did restart my Business Collective podcast. So for any of you thinking about going from employee to entrepreneur on your own or as a side business or as a side hustle, even while you're still working as an employee, which is absolutely fine, um, then check it out. And again, it's the Business Collective podcast. I actually did it through um, December 2020. And just because of the pandemic, I know everybody was struggling just to keep their job. So I put it on hold and then started it up again last week. And it'll be um, every Monday for uh, every week. So sometimes I do it twice a month, but I actually really like doing it every week. Also, some of you that have heard me talk about my personal tidbits is I love real estate. I love anything real estate. Actually, in my office when I'm working, I always have on loop selling New York or selling Los Angeles or selling something on my uh, TV screen for noise. And I just, I love real estate. So my brother's a realtor in Oregon, and we just started a podcast called My Home HQ with Ray Fletcher, and I'm the host. And so we talk about all things real estate. I know it's a sickness. I, I just, I can't stop podcasting. And for those of you that know that, you know, since you're probably in some foot fantasy football teams, uh, fantasy football leagues, I should say. My WTF, What the Football podcast, starts up again regular season, which will be September 8th. 
And so check it out. That's called Steel City Underground Podcast. So if that's just a little too much, Terry, all the time, I totally get it. But if you're interested in some podcasts that actually step away from work as well, and then some that just kind of give you that inspiration maybe to start something up on your own or you want to hear about some real estate or you want to just, you know, maybe decide if you like the NFL. Of course, it's a little bit heavy Pittsburgh Steelers, but it is everything. Um, Check out my podcast. So everyone, make it a great rest of your day. That's it for me this week. And I'll talk to you next week on the CodeCast podcast. For more information on medical coding, billing, auditing, and compliance, including how to hire Terry, follow Terry on Twitter at TerryCoder1 or visit her website at www.terryfletcher.net. Podcast producer, Joe Kuzma. Music producer, Assassin Music.